All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John. We're going to start a new series tonight, and I'm going to do a survey of the whole book, and then we'll probably take verse by verse, chapter by chapter. One of the greatest books in the Bible, because it's about being real, about being real. And um, this is about fellowship, one with another, and about fellowship with God. So I'm going to deal with the subject of fellowship tonight, fellowship. Got a little echo, brother. It might be just a tad high for me. Um, fellowship with the Lord. You know, as I preach Sunday morning, and probably preached too long after I saw the time on the on the internet, I said, "Good night." That I preached that long, but uh, I didn't think this jet lag stuff was real. I really didn't. I, I, I rebuked the idea of jet lag. I said, "I'm not going to have jet lag. Never will have jet lag. Uh, this this is that's just a misnomer." But I'll tell you what I do have. I have time zone adjustment. I've been getting up at 3 o'clock every morning, and I've been going to bed about 8, and that's really unusual for me, and uh, then I'm getting up about 5 or 6 times, can't go back to sleep, and so um, if I don't stay in my place uh, tonight, please help me by saying amen, and I will tell you another thing is, uh, when a person sings, you ought to act like you're getting blessed, whether you're getting blessed or not, it'll encourage the singer, amen, I mean in other words, smile, just a little bit, you don't have to smile a lot, because I know that's dangerous, for some of y'all just to break out with a big smile. But I mean, just, you know, nod your head, smile, encourage the singer, because it ain't easy. And when you get up here, you want somebody listening to you like you're enjoying it. And so by faith, even if it's a sorry song and a sorry singer, which we didn't have, um, smile by faith. Say, it's going to get better as soon as he stops singing. No, But, uh, you know, I'm just saying, uh, notify your face sometimes when people are trying to minister to you, because it's encouraging. Amen? I'm seriously. I like my wife to smile when I tell something funny to her. And she don't always do that because she's heard my jokes a hundred times, especially on these couple retreats. And by the way, the couple retreat is going to be tremendous because Brother um, <clears throat> Tony told me his subject. He wants to uh, do four lessons, and I'm going to do one on respect and love, a divine cycle in the marriage. The greatest need of a husband is respect. I've said that many times using the word significant. But the greatest need of a woman is security or love. And so when you don't respect your leader, she feels unloved. But then when, you, uh, uh, when the lady doesn't respect her husband, then he don't feel like loving. And so it's a crazy cycle that we're in that almost stalemates the marriage. But that'll set you free, those two words, love and respect. You ought to love and respect. How many love to be respected? I mean, I, I'll, just, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, it's very tempting to go on the mission field uh, if it wasn't for the traveling um, uh, because of the respect. They really treat you like a special messenger from God. And, and I'm not looking for that, and I never have, but it's just amazing the respect on the mission field when somebody comes to them with the gospel. They respect Brother Kevin so much. They respect Brother Jeremy. They respect Brother Mark. And I mean, they really uh, respect them that they would just do anything to help them in the ministry. And that's so refreshing. And so that's what happens in a marriage. And I'm not trying to steal any of Brother Tony's thunder, but I'm telling you, he will teach some lessons that will set you free with respect and love. Think about your relationship. How many times you felt unloved? And how many times, men, have you felt 
not respect it. It will, it will, it will close the spirit of your relationship. It will absolutely put a horrible damper on your whole atmosphere in your home. And your children feel it, and it's just, it's just a disaster. So I am so excited about his subject. And uh, I'm so excited I get to close it out. And uh, he is taking his time to come all the way up there, and he's got revival starting the next week with Tom Farrell. And uh, so he is really um, wanting to be a blessing to us. And we've got 14 couples signed up, and probably the Underwoods are coming. And then also Brother Rick Spence and his wife wants to come. And I'm glad that we have a reputation in our couples retreats or marriage retreats that other pastors want to come. And I almost say you can't come till I know that everybody's got a place in our church. We've got two campers in our church, so we're going to have two rooms that are free because they're going to camp out. Give me the Holiday Inn. That, that's my camping. Amen. Holiday Inn Express is about as, about as dangerous as I get. Amen. Praise God. I ain't gonna, you ain't going to find me in no camper. <clears throat> ain't enough leg room, head room, whatever. I've been closed up long enough in a plane. So anyway, I'm free tonight. Amen. All right. I'll try to be brief tonight, <clears throat> but I want you to go to 1 John chapter 1, and I want to read the first chapter, um, <clears throat> and uh, it's only 10 verses, so don't panic. Let's stay in honor of the Word of God. Thank you for being here. It's a good, good turnout. We have a big youth group. We have a big children's group, um, <clears throat> and I'm not talking about size of personnel there. I'll never forget one time, Brother Herschel Hicks was announcing that they were going to have a big ladies' fellowship at Nellie Head. And me and, Bruce, brother, me and brother Bruce Beach were sitting on the front row. That's when he was Independent Baptist. And it just hit us the wrong way. A big ladies' fellowship. He meant it was going to be a big event. But we took it as it's going to be big ladies' fellowship. <laughs> and so uh, <clears throat> we preachers sometimes need a break and just get away and just be silly. But uh, that was a very big announcement. But anyway, <clears throat> pray, pray for me. The Bible says in verse 1, that which was from the beginning, <clears throat> which we have heard, <clears throat> excuse me, and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now, I, I can't get past that verse, that they actually knew that the word of life, God, wrapped up in flesh, Jesus, they touched, and they knew it. And they heard it. That's fellowship. That's better than dead religion I preached against Sunday morning. For the life was manifested. We have seen it. And we bear witness. And show unto you that eternal life. Which was with the Father. <coughs> and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. That we also may have. Here's the key word. Fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the, His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that, that your joy may be full. Now look at verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. We say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But we walk in the light, as he's in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say, that's a key word in, the, in 1 John. If we say, the difference in saying and living. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, there's that phrase again, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I'd like to preach just a few minutes on the fellowship epistle. The fellowship epistle. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the great song. And God, the one that delivered it. And thank you, dear God, for these folks that have been receptive to worship in prayer and in the hymns. And God, they've prepared their heart for the most important part of the service, and that's the preaching of the Word of God. So Lord, as we start this exciting study of 1 John, may we, dear God, see what it's like to have fellowship and guard that fellowship, not only with one another, but God with you with your Son, through the Holy Spirit. So Lord, help us, dear God, to stay in fellowship, not be religious, not just have um, a religion which is dead, but Lord, help us to have a relationship which is alive because we know you intimately. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name for this fellowship that we have with you and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible tells us that the source of this fellowship, number one, is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the fellowship. Without Jesus Christ, none of us would know each other. Because we, we didn't join the moose club and become mooses, so we could just fellowship together as a bunch of mooses. We definitely didn't join the masons, become, become some fruit jars. No, we didn't do that the secret society of the higher master. And, uh, uh, and the Bible says, call no man Lord, and I don't think you ought to call him master either. But we ain't going to get you all mad if you are Masons or Mooses or JCs. But there's no organization like the, the, the body of Christ. And I want to say this, friend, I love this church, and I love you, and you love me, I hope, and I think you have proved that over the years and been very patient with me as I've grown in the Lord uh, to be a full-grown old pastor. <laughs> Amen. I mean full-grown. Amen. If you don't believe it, get one of those plane seats, and you'll think they shrunk if you hadn't been in one in four years. Amen. Those are the skinniest little things. No full-size, full-gospel preacher can sit into one of those things. But anyway, I ain't griping. I'm, I, I love what happened on the, on the trip. But we have fellowship. You know, I think a sweet fellowship is husband and wife. I believe a sweet fellowship is mother and daughters and mothers and sons. It's a sweet fellowship. We ought to encourage one another in our fellowship. We ought to encourage and exhort one another and edify each other in our fellowship. Some of us lately have had the fellowship of suffering. I've seen you at funerals. I saw Miss Nancy at a funeral. Sorry, but there was a sweet fellowship as we walked in the funeral home together and bore each other's burdens and prayed for a family that was dying inside because their little girl was always their baby and had to be. And thank God for the closeness that they had with their daughter. And you know, fellowship of suffering, fellowship of good times and bad times, but we always know we're not just in the same ship, but we're fellow laborers and we're fellow workers and we're fellow soldiers. How many of you men served in the military? Raise your hand. I want to tell you something. You were close to your fellow soldiers. 
if you was any kind of soldier at all, because they had your back. And they were there fighting for the United States of America's freedom next to your side, and some of them didn't come back. And there was a sweet fellowship, fellow soldiers, fellow laborers, fellow, uh, fellow uh, uh, family members. We got the same father, so we are part of the body. So it's a close-knit situation, and it's more than an organization. It's, a, it's an organism, it's a body. It's, it's a living, breathing church of the living God in the local assembly of Whitfield Baptist Church. But our source of fellowship is Jesus Christ. And he begins in verse 1, showing us the incarnation. Jesus Christ and his incarnation. I mean, he was born in this world. He came into this world uh, and became a human being to have fellowship with us and to have communion with us and to birth us into the family of God so we could have him as our very father. And, uh, and look at verse 1. It says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Folks, the beginning, God, who was in the beginning, came to this earth, and John was rejoicing in verse 1 that he touched him, that he, that he, that he heard him. John is called John the Beloved. He was the closest, probably. He leaned on Jesus' breast at the Lord's Supper, and he heard the heartbeat, and he felt the holy breath probably on the back of his neck. They were very close, and it was a closeness that was wholesome and, and, and real and, and right. It was like a son to a father, not this closeness that we see today promoted by Hollywood that was, is perverted. But look at verse 2. For the life was manifested. The life was manifested. God came to us, and we have seen it. We've seen that life. And look at this. And we bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. And so the fellowship is because of the incarnation. Look at chapter um, 3, please, and verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5. The Bible says, And ye know that we were, it says, And ye know that he was manifested, manifested, there it is again, to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So the perfect Lamb of God came to us and died for us and, and paid the price of eternal salvation for us, that ought to make you a little close to him. Pardon the expression. You ought to be, there ought to be some affinity. There ought to be a, a, a closeness to God that no other person ever had. You ought to feel closer to God and be more attentive to his word and more sensitive to his spirit than anything or anyone on this earth because, folks, there's no one that's taking your sins away. There's no one that died in your place. And that's what John is saying. He was manifested to us and, uh, to take away our sins. You're, you're, you're saved because of Jesus. He ought to be the apple of your eye. There ought to be a fellowship. And when you fall out of fellowship or you break fellowship, it ought to be worse than the times you're not speaking to your mate. Some of you have had that experience if you've been married just a few minutes. Uh, you'll probably uh, get upset on the honeymoon somewhat. Uh, I don't think we had a fight on the honeymoon, but shortly afterwards we probably did. I can't remember. That was many, many years ago. We got born in the early 1800s. But uh, l listen, look at verse 8. 
chapter 3, verse 8. He that committeth sin is of, uh, is of the devil. Now that is something, isn't it? He that committeth sin is of the devil. You've got to look for what the word commit means. For the devil sinneth from the beginning for, for hit this purpose, for this purpose was the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Here's the second reason that you ought to have sweet fellowship. He's conquered the devil for you. I want to tell you something, the devil will ruin your life. Sin will ruin your life. Say amen right there. And I want to tell you something, the only one that can save you present tense is the Lord. He saves you from the dominion of sin. I go to these jails and I go to these places. I talked to a, a drug addict this afternoon for a long time trying to counsel with him. He has no home, he has no food, he has no license. They wanted me to pick him up somewhere in uh, Crow Valley and take him all the way over to Chatsworth and find his birth certificate, and get his birth certificate, get his driver's license, so he'd get food stamps. And I looked at him, I, I, I asked him, I said, how in the world did you get in such shape? And he was a young man that used to be here quite a bit. And he said, I don't know. I said, I know. You fell out of fellowship with God. And you took God for granted. And you took the local church for granted. Now here's a guy that has nothing. His own brothers won't take him. His own sisters won't take him. Nobody will take him in. And I tried to give him a ride to Providence Ministries. That wasn't good enough. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's not God's fault. Amen. It's not God's fault. I heard about a, a preacher friend of mine, pastor friend of mine in this area that's uh, about to, on the verge of divorce. Been married 40 years. And the preacher told me, he said, please pray for him and see if you can get him to the couple street. I said, I'll try. That's the kind of people we minister to. But that's a preacher. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's not God's fault if we fall out of fellowship. But the worst place you can be is backslidden. The worst place you can be. Have you ever been out of fellowship with your mate where you weren't speaking? It was a cold morning, wasn't it? It was cold cereal. I don't care if you warmed it up. It was cold. I mean, the bananas were even cold. I mean, everything's cold when you're not right with your mate. Well, how much more when you're not right with God? And so this is going to be a great study on fellowship, how to stay in fellowship. And then uh, second of all, uh, the source of our fellowship is Jesus Christ because of his incarnation, but also because of his crucifixion. We're going to stay all in the book of John, and I'm going to take my time, and I'll have you out of here at 8.15 because I was embarrassed that I preached so long uh, Sunday morning, but I got over it. Uh, look at uh, look at First uh, John three, and I want you to look at verse sixteen. First John three sixteen. Here's the second John three sixteen. It says in First John three sixteen, hereby perceive we the love of God. There it is, the love of God. Perceive the love of God. I want to tell you something, friend. It's not hard for me to stay in fellowship with God. If I'll just perceive the love of God, if I'll just realize moment by moment how much he loves me and how patient he is with me. All you husbands ought to say amen because you, uh, you got a patient woman. You got a patient wife. How long has she been patient with you? Remember when you was backslidden? She was patient with you. Remember when you wouldn't come to church? She came by herself and looked lonely and, 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 and prayed for you. And praise God, now you're sitting here uh, being the spiritual leader. Wonderful. But folks, listen. How much more has God loved us? How much more has Jesus loved us? Listen to this now. 
I can tell you, I ain't going to get past many points here. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Would you just meditate on that a minute? And we're going to take our time because I'm a fast-paced preacher and I don't even have to wait for an in- interrupter. But I want you to see this. It says because he laid down his life for us. So here it is. What's the last part? And we ought to lay down our lives for the who? Brethren. Now this is convicting. Here's the second John 3.16 in the Bible. In, in light of God's love, who are we not to love the unlovable? The unloving. I, I cannot hang up on somebody when they call like they called this afternoon. I cannot want to help them. I volunteered to help them. I said, Listen, I'm studying, but I'll drop what I got. And he says, no, I need, I said, but it's going to be about two hours. I've got to finish this message. My first obligation is prepare for this message. And he says, no, I can't wait that long. I said, you can't wait two hours? He said, no, well, I'll just start walking. I said, you ain't going to make the chest work in two hours. And I said, I can pick you up in two hours. And folks, I want to tell you something. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be in that boy's shape. I'd be sitting there homeless, no place to live, no food. No driver's license, can't get my food stamp. But God has blessed me. And I'll tell you what, it'd, it'd do all of you good to go on a mission trip. It really would. Because I was in the most beautiful city in the eastern, west, western, I don't know, hemisphere, whatever. Africa, it's another continent of his own. Cape Town. But I want to tell you something. When you start driving out of that beautiful city that's so eloquent and so, and, and they, try to, they try to put up high fences on each side of the expressway, but there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people in what they call townships. That's where Brother Jeremy had the guts to build and got robbed while he was building the building and held at gunpoint because it's so wicked. It's just so, like Brother Mark testified, it's so open. And folks, it's so sad that there'll be 10 or 15 people living in about a 12 by 15 room. I mean, wall-to-wall people. And their bathroom is an outhouse lined up next to the expressway. Now, folks, when's the last time you griped because the commode didn't flush fast enough or got hung up or the kids didn't do something right? You ought to thank God you got an indoor plumber. You ought to thank God you got that. And I want to tell you something, friend. When's the last time you've taken for granted that God saved you and loved you when you was unlovable and you was fit for hell but not fit for heaven and therefore we ought to perceive that, we ought to know it, we ought to, we ought to enjoy it, we ought to, we ought to meditate on it, and we ought to love the brethren. In light of Calvary, we ought to lay down our life for others. That's fellowship. Fellowship. That's why what Brother Tony's dealing with, and I know exactly where he's going, is that when you're out of fellowship with your mate, there is no respect and there's no feeling of love. And that's about the most empty feeling you'll ever feel is when you're out of fellowship with your mate. How many's been there, done that? I have. I didn't let it last long. You aren't supposed to go to even uh, sleep. Uh, mad at your mate, the Bible says. But fellowship. And so we have, the source of our fellowship is the incarnation. 
but the source of our fellowship is crucifixion. Let me give you a few more. We're just surveying the whole book. Look at 1 John 4, 9. Aren't you enjoying this? I'm enjoying it. I'm not even in it here, but I'm enjoying it. Look at this. It says, 1 John 4, 9. Good question. In this was manifested. There's that word manifested. In this was manifested the love of God towards us. I wish you could just wrap your mind around those two words, towards us. Then put you in there, towards me. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. And so I don't think it's asking too much to rebuke the devil and rebuke sin and rebuke selfishness and have fellowship with the sweet Savior in light of what he's done for you. Can somebody say amen? He manifested himself. That means he came to this earth God wrapped up in flesh that we might live. He that hath the Son hath life. Look at it, 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Before you were saved, you was marking time. If you've ever been in jail, the happiest day of your life is when you get let. Somebody pays your bond, you get out. Say amen right there, some of you ex-jail birds. We got a bunch of them. Brother Larry goes volunteer every, every day to the jail. He's missing it. He's so sick he can't go. But he's trying. But I want to say this, friend. The Bible says you can have freedom. And you're just marking time if you're lost. And if you're saved and backslidden, you are really in a dilemma because you know better. You, it's your fault. It's not your mama's fault. It's not your daddy's fault. It's not your husband's fault. It's not your, it's not your sister's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's your fault. Anytime you fall out of fellowship, it's your fault. Say amen. Riding down the road the other day, well, it was really the other year. I hadn't, hadn't said this in years because I, I learned my lesson. I was riding down the road, and I looked at my wife, and uh, she looked at me. And she said, you know, we don't sit as close as we used to. And I looked at her real smart aleck. I said, well, I hadn't moved. <laughs> that was the worst thing I could ever say. Amen. She moved in the back seat. No, no, she didn't really. But <laughs> she probably wanted to move in the back seat with a smart aleck comment like that. So we'll preach against that in the, in the retreat, how to communicate. Amen. I ain't teaching that subject. But anyway, God hadn't moved. If anybody's moved, it's you. If anybody hadn't moved, it's me. If I hadn't read my Bible today, it wasn't, it wasn't God's fault. I, I got five of them in every room. How about you? I got spare Bibles, backup Bibles, New Testaments. Every glove compartment has a Bible. And folks, I want to say this. God has made himself available at Calvary, but God has made himself available by the Holy Spirit every breath of your life. And that's why I like that song so much about each breath I take, I will worship you. And then look at this, 1 John 4.10. 1 John 4.10. The Bible says, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Look at that word, propitiation. What kind of word is that? It's a strong word that means the satisfying of one's justice. 
See, the wage of sin was death, and somebody had to die, and Jesus took your death. The wage of sin, of unbelief, is hell, and Jesus took your hell. And folks, I want to tell you something. The wage of sin is isolation and selfishness, but Jesus took that at Calvary, and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So you'd never be forsaken. So if you're in fellowship with God, it's the most wonderful state of being there is. But if you're a saved, born-again birth into the kingdom of God, new creature in Christ, and you're not in fellowship tonight because of some grudge, because of some bitterness, or because of some sin in your life, it's your fault. And you're living beneath your God-given privilege. Let's study the Word of God. Let's study the book of John and how to stay in fellowship, how to enjoy fellowship. Look at verse 14, 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. What a mission verse that is. We might just make that our mission verse when Brother Roberts comes to preach this, uh, this fall. But folks, he's the Savior of the world. But let's don't get so worldwide evangelism, we don't forget he saved you. And where would you be tonight if it wasn't for God? You might be still a lost Catholic, Mark. You might still be lost in your sin. You might still be trying to find satisfaction in drink or drugs. Some of you ex-drug addicts, Brother Larry. You might be still roaming the streets selling your blood, selling your wife's dryer or washer for another fix, selling the clothes off your back, no place to stay, running from the police on the run. But Jesus saved them. Now, wouldn't it be absurd if the Lord come and said, hey, Brother Larry, uh, he probably won't call you brother, he says, Larry, um, would you spend a little time with me? And you look at him and say, no, Lord, I got better things to do. I got TV programs. I got sports events. I got money to make. I got a family to support. I ain't got time for you, Lord. And I believe we grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't fellowship. And so, two things that re-emphasizes the source of our fellowship. It's all Jesus Christ, but it's because he was incarnate, he came to us, born in this world, but he was born to die. And he died that we might have fellowship, life. Now let's go to the second point, and that's all I've covered tonight. I want you to see the purpose, the purpose of this fellowship. The purpose of this fellowship. And the purpose of his fellowship is this, that we might know and love God and his people. We might know and love God and his people. Let's take another survey of John on this point. This is, a, this is what we call a survey. We'll cover the whole book, then we'll go back and, and preach it. Maybe it'll interest you to be faithful on Wednesday nights. But I want you to look at 1 John 1, 4. The Bible says, these things write unto you that your joy may be full. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. God didn't save you to be miserable. God didn't save you to be sad. God saved you to have the joy of the Lord and a fellowship that's beyond all fellowship. It's called abiding. And when you abide in him and his words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. That's John 15, 7. And then John 15, 8 says that you might glorify him. 
And so there's two, you get your prayers answered, all for his glory. And then verse 11 says, these things have I spoken to you, that my joy might remain and that your joy might be full. Folks, there's a joy in abiding. A branch on the ground all wilted and not bearing fruit is unhappy. It even looks unhappy. It's brittle. It's good for nothing but the fire, the Bible says. And so there's a fellowship in, in, the, in the communion, the union. Look at First uh, John chapter two, verse twenty-six. First John two twenty-six. The Bible says this: "says These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you." And so, folks, we see there's a world out there trying to seduce you, trying to molest you spiritually, trying to get you to commit spiritual adultery. If you ever, you you, you got to understand, uh, one of the greatest sins against your mate is adultery. There's nothing that harms a relationship more than unfaithfulness and a lack of commitment. Some of you have been through that trauma. And I want you to know, friend, the Bible compares our unfaithfulness as spiritual adultery. And we're the bride. He, 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 is, he is our Savior. And He's redeemed us and given us everything we need. And we let people seduce us. So look at it, 1 John 2, 26. The Bible says it very clearly. The thing, these things have I written unto you. This is the whole book of 1 John concerning them that seduce you. He starts to talk to you about how to identify a, a man that has a spirit of antichrist. And a false religion is dealt with in this book. But look at 1 John 3, 13. 1 John 3, 13. It says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. The world hates you. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you're not in fellowship, you don't love God, the world will seduce you. And the world will hate you if you're right with God. And some people can't take that peer pressure. Well, everybody don't, everybody don't like me, so I'm going to compromise and look like the world and act like the world, have the appetite of the world, and I'm going to, I'm going to cohabit with the world, so to speak. And friend, I'm going to tell you something. The world will no longer hate you. They'll love you if they can get you to backslide. They'll love you if, you can, if you'll deny Christ in your daily life. They'll love you and accept you, and you'll be popular if you'll go with them instead of Him. There's the challenge of the hour, is that we love God more than we love the world. We love God more than we love sin. We love God more than we even love ourselves. That's the challenge. And then 1 John 3, 22. 1 John 3, 22. Just a quick survey. The Bible says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing to him. I think I read the wrong verse. No, 3, 22. Yeah, 3, 22. It says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Everybody says, well, I got a blank check. I can ask what you want. Not according to this verse. You'll never have your prayers answered unless you're obedient and you're pleasing. And obedience with a, with a, with a vengeful spirit or obedience with a prideful spirit is not pleasing. It's not only obedience, but it's obedience from the heart. It's obedience out of love. That's what pleases the Father. Then you can ask what you want. But I'll tell you what you'll do. You'll ask what He wants. And that's according to His will. 
1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the most misused verse in praying there is. It says in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and we know that we, he heareth us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So people go around just claiming it and naming it and commanding God to give them things when the Bible says in that verse 14, it's according to his will. So your will melts into his will. Let me close by giving you just two more verses in 1 John chapter 5. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you, everybody knows this verse, that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. The purpose of our fellowship is that we might know. But look at verse uh, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And then verse 15, as I read, and we know that he heareth whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petition that we desire him. There's a fellowship. There's a fellowship. And I want to say this, is the Father wants to know what you want. But more important, the Father knows what you need, and he wants you to get, he wants you to get in the fellowship of the Spirit and the Bible so you can pray according to his will. We talked about prayer Sunday night, and I believe God moved on my heart about praying unto God, not just praying to be heard, not to be praying to impress somebody, but really picturing who he is and where he is and what he's done and what he's doing, and then pray. It says coming unto God. But I want you to know these verses tell us that we need to have fellowship, we have to have sonship, we have to have fellowship, and then we have to have communion in that fellowship that we know what God wants, and we pray it, and we ask God's will to be done. And so what's the fruit of fellowship? What's the purpose of it? So that we might know God. That we might love God. And that we might love his people. And folks, I want to tell you something. When you're in fellowship with God, there's nothing like it. Because your prayers will be answered. I think one of the greatest prayer promises in the Bible is those two verses we just read. But I believe the one that we read preceding that, in 1 John 3, verse 22, this whatsoever things we ask, we receive him because we keep his commandments. That's fellowship. And we do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this Bible study tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the source of our fellowship, Jesus Christ. That you came to us when we couldn't come to you, and God, you died for us when we could not die for our own sins. God, thank you, secondly, Lord, for the purpose of fellowship. And that is that we know you, and thus we glorify you, and that we have an intimate abiding, that, Lord, we can bear forth fruit that will remain, and fruit that will glorify you, and we can love others like you love us. So, Lord, thank you for the sweet, sweet fellowship with you.